0: Hi, everybody! Welcome to another episode of This Book Changed My Life. I am Natalie Ford. Every week on This Book Changed My Life, blah 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 blah. You guys all know that part by now, and if you don't, I will explain it when I interview my first my first guest, my guest today, Rachel Smith. Um, this is my thirtieth episode, everybody, and I have gotten. To I've had the opportunity to talk to 30 amazing people in our school district, and I am just getting started. For this episode, I am interviewing Rachel Smith, and I have a lot to say in this intro, so here I go. Okay, so Rachel Smith is my first librarian interview, hopefully first of many. She is an elementary library media specialist, but she has worked at Norup and she's even worked at BHS. She will explain all of that to you guys in the interview. We cover a lot of ground in this interview. If you have not thought about the role of a librarian in your community, let's think about it now, especially in this time of conflicting information or people not being able to agree, to agree on what facts are. Let's think about the role of a librarian now. I am a mom. I am an English teacher. And I have to tell you, I have always wanted to write a poem. I know that sounds weird, but I've always wanted to write a poem called, here's the title, If Aliens Landed, We Would Have to Show Them Our Libraries. I know this sounds really bizarre, but let me explain. What I mean by that is that humanity pretty much is a dumpster fire right now. You know what I'm saying? I think we can all agree on that. On a daily basis, there is a lot I read about in the news that I sometimes get really down. And I think we are a terrible species. We're never going to get through this pandemic because, um, you know, we can't all agree. We can't all do what we're supposed to do. Some people don't even think this thing exists. There's conflicting information all over the place. Oh, what a disaster. I probably thought the phrase we are a terrible species about seven times today. Okay, but you know what we have, everybody? You know where I go when I need to be reminded that communities can come together and say we are here to celebrate learning. We are here to give people access to information. You know the place that I think about, because I can't go there, the place that I think about When I'm trying to tell myself that humanity is not terrible, I think about the library. I'm really jazzed about this conversation with Rachel because we cover a lot of ground. We talk about how as an elementary librarian, a lot of her clientele might, you know, either can't read or they're not super strong readers. And she has to figure out how to design a space where they can understand where to find things so they can feel like they belong there. We also talk about how a school librarian is uniquely different from a classroom teacher and or an English teacher. And that's something that I really had not thought about before. Finally, we get into the need for diversity in school libraries and how librarians are there to help all of our students understand other worlds and other people small anecdote here. In January, I went to this Oakland Schools PD and the whole thing was about YA or young adult texts. And um, there were a lot of librarians there from around the state of Michigan. And we learned about how there are very few school districts in the state of Michigan who have a full-time certified librarian in every single school building. And the librarians, of course, were saying, you know, this is a really big deal. This is really sad. And I just want all of us to think about the implications of this. What are the implications of not having a full-time certified librarian in your son or daughter's school, whether that be elementary, middle, or high school? If you have not thought about the role a librarian plays in your school or your community, this interview is for you. Also, if you love books and you love libraries, this interview is also for you. Let us get to it. Rachel Smith, here we go. If you see me look down, um, sometimes I'll end up writing things down. Actually, I want to grab that real fast. Sometimes I'll just end up writing things down, but don't worry, I'm not ignoring you. Okay, so first, thanks so much for coming on my podcast. Um, Who who nominated you? Ann Daniels, is that right? Yes, Ann Daniels did. (laughs) Okay, so we, you probably know, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, but the main three are, I need to know your Berkeley school district history, and now that you've told me that I've seen you before in my building, I have all sorts of questions, then I'm going to ask you about what you were like as a reader, as a kid, and then I'm going to want to know the book that changed your life. So start with your Berkeley school district history.
1: Okay, so it is my 10th year coming up um in berkeley as like a certified teacher i was at norup as that teacher support position like the first year they had it um while i was getting my library science degree and that next that year that i graduated with my degree is when all of the media specialists went part-time and so yeah they all moved back into the classroom which was terrible for them, but ended up being great for me because I could take over the part-time position. I was at a spot where going part-time was okay. Um, And then the following year, it went back full-time at Gill. That was like my main building. Um, And I stayed full-time there for a couple years. Um, And then they decided to have it be a part-time position at Pattingill. So then I ended up at the high school for a year. I then spent two years at NORUP um, in the afternoon doing STEM, which I really loved, still doing Pat and Gill. Um, and then this coming school year, it's actually a really big change. I accepted the media specialist position at Burton Elementary. So I will be full time um, in one building this, this fall.
0: Okay, so um I went to uh, this really cool thing at Oakland Schools about YA literature, but there was like a whole crew of librarians there, and yeah. they were saying that Berkeley was one of the few districts that had a full a, a full-time certified librarian in each building. Is that not true? It's really close.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Patongi was the only part time. Um, we're all not certified. okay. Most, majority are, but yeah, not everybody.
0: Okay, you're just giving me the facts right now. (laughs) I don't know, I'm trying to be really... uh... I wish this was not something you, okay, so that's not 100% true. Though they were like, they were kind of like Berkeley, and then there was one, I'm sure I think it was Birmingham, but they were like, it's rare to find so many certified librarians in a school district.
1: Yeah, and it is, in Berkeley is doing a fabulous job, you know? You know, we're always, you know, doing a little bit with, or a lot with a little bit, and so a lot of us, you know, everyone except for Pat and Gill is full-time, which is fabulous. Um, And then not everyone has a certification. I think three out of us do,
0: which is great. (laughs) I think as an English teacher, and again, at this thing, and as a mom, I think that I've, I like librarians have been a big part of my career and a big part of my life. Um, but I also don't know anything about elementary school. Can you talk to us about like, can you brag a little bit about why a librarian is so important in an elementary school setting when those teachers are, I'm assuming all those teachers are super familiar with what kids should read at that grade level, but tell us why a librarian like makes the school an even bigger powerhouse.
1: Um, I think it's just so important because we look at reading a little bit differently. Like classroom teachers are, you know, helping to make them better readers with fluency and comprehension. And I just want them to read. So I don't care if they're reading on this level or if they can't read graphic novels, I just want them to fall in love with reading. And so that gives me a different perspective than kind of harping on all the time. You know, it's not, not trying to harp, but you know, I can just be a different in between a book and a and a child, um, a kind of a different perspective. I also kind of open up um, a lot with technology and using those different tools. So it kind of is like a blend of the two most wonderful things, you know, and over a huge umbrella of just information, getting kids the best information to make decisions and love learning and reading. So.
0: And then you're moving to, um, wait, oh, you're the full, you're NORP full-time media specialist in the fall. Is that what you said? Uh, Burton. Burton. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Wait, you're Burton full-time media specialist. Okay. So does that mean, tell me about like the physical space of the library that you think is important or like brag about that for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, so for me, letting kids access the information on their own is a really big part of being a librarian. Yes, I wanna point them in the right directions, but there's also power in finding materials um, on by themselves. And so um, in my library at Pattengill, I worked really hard to make sure the collection was accessible to even non-readers. So really going in and thinking about what labels I can put on to kindergartners. What pictures are going to work best? How can I organize my information better so they can access it better? Um, in like the fiction areas of the library, normally everything is sh- um, shelved by author's last name. Mm-hmm. But that's not great if a kid wants a bunch of easy reader princess books. So I worked really hard to figure out what would be the best way to arrange those. So instead of doing that author's last name, I just put them by PRI for princess, and so then, (laughs) you know, then kid can just go to princesses, or they can go to the Legos, or they can go to Star Wars, you know, they have more control over their access to the information that they're finding, Um, so it's a really important part, you think it's just, you know, author's last name, but there's so much power in how I can empower people by how I, you
0: know, catalog. I guess I've never thought about how, when you're in an elementary school, a large percentage of the people in there may not be fully independent readers.
1: Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah. It's a huge thing to think about. And even like the Dewey Decimal System, like when do kids learn decimal points and like we are organizing by this mass symbol that they might not have experience with yet. So how can I empower them? Through different signs and how I cataloged information for them.
0: Yeah, because you, I would assume that part of your job is making, like you said, part of your job is making them fall in love. So when they're a kindergartner mm-hmm. and that you want them to be able to walk in and feel like you're at home here, you can do it yourself, even yeah. though they might not be even reading yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so do you have a vision for for the Burton? Uh, media center or is it like set up for you or like what how does that what does that look like for a live a new librarian in a new building i don't know i
1: am a little bit nervous because pangill has been my home for nine years i just got new carpet oh, wow <laughs> it's really hard to say goodbye to that um <laughs> it's the craziest carpet too the next person's gonna be like what was she thinking i just love it <laughs> um, That's really funny. yeah i don't know i just hope I want the space to make kids welcome, So, and I try to do a mix of, like, Shopkins on my desk. Like, I'll trade Shopkins with you, but also a little refined, because they like yeah. things too. Um, I haven't really gotten, you know, I've been in um, Jacqueline Turbrick. She's actually moving to the high school.
0: Yeah, I met her via email.
1: Yeah, she did a really great job in the library. It looks fabulous. So if I had to walk into any library, this is the one I want to go to. Um, okay but they are also in the process of getting their new carpet so when i walked in at the end of the school year i didn't really see or kind of decide anything right away just because it's completely empty because they're getting new carpet. so um i don't know i just want it to be a space where kids want to come even if they don't like reading i want it to be a space where they feel welcomed um, to be and love coming
0: yeah that's uh, that sounds like what I love about libraries is that it feels like a very special magical place and you just want everybody I can see how you want everybody to feel that way okay so tell us what were you like as a reader and I'm also really intrigued by did you always know you wanted to be a librarian
1: oh my gosh so I hated reading. <laughs> hated reading oh my gosh I was in the low reading group like Everyone knew I wasn't a good reader. It just was not for me. For a really, really long time, reading was not for me. Um, I have like memories of, of books that teachers read that like I really loved hearing read out loud to me, but I was not set on fire for reading um, until I got to college.
0: Wow, that's a long time.
1: Yeah, I missed out on so many wonderful years of reading, and that's like one of my biggest passions. Is so that I can teach my kids to have that joy sooner, and not miss all those years that I got to miss.
0: (laughs) Wait, why do you think? Why do you think you didn't like it? You you mentioned that you were not good at it, or maybe you thought you were not good at it. Was there anything else?
1: Yeah, I felt like it wasn't meeting me where my needs were. Like I needed someone to show me graphic novels i needed Mm -hmm. novels in verse it was just looking at a closed book was just so intimidating for me um i'm not strong in comprehension i'm still working on that my fluency wasn't great so it was just it was hard work and so when something's really hard work and you already have this stigma that you're bad at it you just It's sometimes hard to work through that struggle and keep going until you can get on the other side so it just was not what i love to do um yeah so it was it was hard and so it, it did not find me until really late
0: so what happened in college what changed um so i don't
1: know how i got on the track to being a teacher Somehow that was my, my path and it just so happened that one of my semesters I was taking elementary technology and then children's literature at the same time and it was just like a light went off like these are the two things I need to do with my life and being a librarian is an elementary librarian is just what put them together. um With my elementary um, reading class I was shown books that I felt like I had never experienced when I was in elementary and I was like where were these when I was in school like I would have found reading and would have loved it so much earlier if I just knew these things existed and so I just want to be able to share those books with kids who are also like me and, you know, my fabulous readers too, they also deserve great reads, but those kids who feel like it's a struggle and isn't for them, I just want to be able to touch them. So they don't have all those missed years.
0: So did you get your teaching certificate and then you went back to get your, is that how it works? Can you, yeah. okay, so you got your master's in library science, but then your, does it just go like you have your teaching cert plus master's in library science equals school librarian?
1: Yeah, you like you know how for elementary education or for, I guess I don't know if it's different for high school. for elementary education, you have to like get the degree and then you take the like the MTC, MTTC tests. Yeah, yeah. So I had to do that for elementary um, education and then I got my master's in Library and Information science with a, like a specialty in um, elementary media centers, and then you take the certification. Um, to add that to your certificate once you graduate.
0: Have you had the opportunity to uh, in your experience with Pat and Gill, or at least I, I'm assuming you have, can you tell us a little bit about uh, m- working with like I don't wanna, I don't know what they're called like uh, just lower level readers? I mean like do you have a lot of success stories from your time at Pat and Gill of reaching kids where you, where you felt like this is why okay. I doing this.
1: Yeah. So it's nice, too, because when you're the media specialist or any specialist teacher, you have that kid through their whole element.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that.
1: Yeah. So like if I see a kid who's in transitional kindergarten, I'm going to have them all the way through fifth grade. And so maybe that, you know, instant spark to reading doesn't happen. You know, that moment we have that connection. But kids just change so much through their elementary career um so it's amazing to be able to be with them and slowly get them on board to reading um is one of the things that i definitely um, love about working in elementary school and getting kids passionate about books um i i have a lot of kids who are really big into cats and so um, like
0: cats like their pets
1: yeah just like cats in general is a thing <laughs> um, and so like taking their interests and showing them oh well there's this book do you want it to be a make-believe cat or do you want to learn from real facts about cats and like kind of growing their personal interest into a love of books by all the different varieties that you can you know catch fire to that is um is also great too
0: One thing that you're saying that like I asked you earlier, the difference between a classroom teacher and a librarian. But now it's coming together where like me as the classroom teacher would be like enough with the cats already. Can we focus on what I want to teach you? And then you get to be like, oh, you're obsessed with this really weird thing that annoys everyone else. Awesome. I'm going to show you even more about it. Yes, that
1: is exactly it, because I just care that they love reading. I don't care that they're reading realistic fiction and mystery and nonfiction because when they're grown up readers, they're just going to read what they want. And so I get to really ignite that spark. you really love Pokemon? I have so many books about Pokemon for you, you know and then like, and I love it because then once you get them hooked, like oh, you love Pokemon? I can can hang with Pokemon you know, but once you get that you can have like deeper conversations well, what about Pokemon do you love so much? Oh you love, I don't know, the mythical creatures, well here's all these other books that I can show you you know, to kind of lead them in different paths But yeah it's nice because i just get to open up their passion and when they're adults like they're just going to pick what they want they're not going to be required you know like they are in the classroom so it's just such a different conversation to have about reading
0: yeah and i've always seen librarians like martha and librarians in my own life as kind of this like ally of like you know and you can you can imagine it's different at the high school level where there's like no judgment right Mm -hmm. like whatever you want to be interested in like I'll take you to that place. Yeah. And that obviously is a big deal in high school when it when to me it feels like there could be a lot of judgment about people's interests. Mhm. Oh
1: yeah. I mean, and even with elementary kids too. I mean, uh, the cat people you know (laughs) i hate to harp on the cat people but you know you'll find those kids that even you know now don't feel like they can come talk to you about it and so being there at such a young age is such a nice way to say that this is a safe space for you oh yeah work with a character that looks like you yeah i can do that you know i've I've had kids come and just say someone like me I want to give that experience to them and show them someone like them in a book. So it yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now more than ever, of course, I mean, as English teachers, we, we only have like at least an AP lit, we only have four novels a year that I teach. It's like, so for you, right? Wow. So for, for you, you will have a whole world. You have a whole world, world for them. Okay. Tell me the book. Um, tell me the book, Rachel, that changed your life.
1: Okay, so it was, <laughs> it was so hard as you can imagine, you're thinking about four novels. So, uh, and just like thinking, oh, what do you even format? Do I want a graphic? novel? Uh, it was really hard for me, but I really thought about the one that changed my life. And the one that changed my life was Rules by Cynthia Lord. Um, I read it in my college um, reading class that really got me hooked on learning to love reading. Um, and I just love Cynthia Lord, it won the Newbery honor medal. So it's the best, um, written book for kids the year that it came out and it's about a girl named Catherine and she's 12 and her brother is on the autism spectrum. And so she's kind of finding her way of being this 12 year old girl, trying to understand and kind of protect her brother. Um, she writes rules for him and some of the rules are, you know, just really basic, like see. uh, no toys in the fish tank is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Another one is if it, where was it? I think if it fits in your mouth, it's food. <laughs> one of them that she writes for him are just so like exactly what he needs to know rules that if he's ever by himself, he can navigate the world. But some of them are really deep and touching like sometimes people laugh when they like you, but sometimes they laugh to hurt you. um let's see what was another one that I love um. Sometimes you've got to work with what you've got So they just. She's just writing these rules for her brother if he was ever on his own. So she's like trying to protect him. But then this girl moves next door and she's trying to have these friendships um, and just kind of balance the two. She ends up going to OT with her brother, occupational therapy. And while she's there, she meets a mute paraplegic boy. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And he can only talk through his communication booklet and she discovers that the cards are just really boring that no 14-year-old boy would want like bad and good so she ends up you know writing him cards for his booklet like dazzling and amazing and stinks a big one <laughs> yeah. you know but then also some other really really tough ones that he probably needs to like torn and confused and so it's just is such a wonderful book. I make everyone in my life read Rules, <laughs> even if they don't want to. So I just, I just love it.
0: What's the grade level, or what's the reading level for this one? Um, like who would read this?
1: No, I would give it to. I would give it to a third grader if okay. I knew that third grader, but third grade and not for sure. And, and it's not- depends on the reading experience, too, if they're reading it, you know, if they're attacking it on their own, if they're going to have someone that's a little bit older or grown up with them, you know, it's just a different experience. But I, w- I could do third grade and up. It's really short, and the chapters are really short, which is nice, too. Um, a lot of, at least for me, <laughs> um, a lot of times longer chapters seemed really intimidating. So mm-hmm. you know, to a book. A short chaptered book was just what I needed. So, it goes very quickly too. But um
0: Okay, can you tell us why did you pick this book? Like why was this the book that changed your life? What did this one do that others didn't for it, you?
1: Yeah, it just when I read it, it just seemed so powerful to me as a college student, but I could also see how it could really touch an elementary student too, and how maybe the meaning that I was getting you know, as a grown up was a little bit different than an elementary student, but it was putting these big ideas and big feelings that they're going through in a way that they could understand and feel those words too. Yeah. I feel really torn about having these things in my life and wanting to do other things and balancing them all. It just really gave, you know, the right words to what those feelings are on the inside.
0: Have you seen, have you been able to see students read this and Pat Miller. Um, I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> what's, what's tricky about the media specialist position is I don't get to go on the experience with them. Like, you know, and gets to take students on the adventure of walk to moons, uh, which is also it was a good. Favorite. Yeah. But, you know, so I just have to leave them with it, you know, and hope, that they will love the experience. So I, you know, I've had kids that come back and say that they love it, you know, but we don't get to have those deep conversations that I would if I was in that classroom setting. You know, I see them once for 45 minutes a week. So we don't, you know, I don't get to have the journey, which is a bummer.
0: So you've been in the game for 10 years now and the book that you're talking about sounds like uh more diverse than what like you both you and and i mean one thing i've noticed is that from when i was a kid like things are just so much more diverse in children's literature
1: yeah.
0: um have you also noticed that like sort of blossom of authors and books that you're giving to your students that the diversity has increased over the years?
1: Oh, like 100%. I mean, it's still a struggle, and there still aren't enough diverse books by diverse authors, you know. Um, So it is really hard to provide those books, but there are so many more that are coming out. There was a picture book that came out this past year called Saturday, about this mom and her daughter and like all the things that they do on Saturday and looking, you know, for this fun experience with paper cutouts. Um, And, you know, they have a different skin tone. They're going to the hair salon, you know. So there are books, more books that are coming, um, but it is hard to find them. But that book is just beautiful. And it's for everyone, you know. Everyone has this experience of doing things on Saturday with their mom and all those experiences. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm often in awe. Like you uh, when I was a kid, not only did we not have books about students with autism, but it was just not something that we talked about in my school. It was just like you knew that certain kids, I don't know. There was just no language around it. And what a shame, right? Like, what a loss. And now at Berkeley, I'm so impressed with our some of our students and how well they work with, our students with autism, but I, like you said, that book that you told us about rules, it's for everybody, yeah. not just for a kid who may have a, who be, who may have a person with autism in their life. Yeah. And yeah. do you, do you find that the diverse books attract everyone or, or do you find that that can be kind of hard to get those books to circulate?
1: Um, I don't think they're harder to circulate but maybe they're not going to, it's not even the right person, just like every person. Um, yeah. You know, when I have a book with, you know, different skin toned characters, they might mm-hmm. not be going to as many Caucasian kids as I would like. But it's powerful mm-hmm. for those students too. So I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah. To me, I just read this article, this blog post from this woman. It was like just basically, not just, but obviously I've been reading a lot. And one thing was like, you know, the things that we see adults doing in our country that are so horrible. She's like, those kids went through a school system, right? Like those kids had like, what is going on with um, our white kids? And I just think that that's a good question to ask. And you, like you said, it's so sad to me that the issue of diversity is way better than when I was a kid. But like you're saying, it's still we still have a long way to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's still and like I find a lot in Berkeley sometimes in I don't know if this is a problem at high school, but the parents are trying to protect their kids, you know, which we all do. I want to protect my son, too. But they're doing it in a way that's like blocking them for seeing other people's perspectives and other you know, what other people might be going through. Um, and so sometimes that is the barrier, that they don't want them to read this book because they think that what they're talking about may be too big for their student. Um, and so that is a barrier a lot of times too with different, different reads, whether, you know, it's mental issues that's happening or the color of the characters or that there's two dads um a lot of times I find a little bit more pushback not from the kids the kids are so welcoming of a great book but from like outside influences is a difficult that
0: is so interesting to me yeah and I do wonder if that will change in because you're right like the kids are up for anything they just want a good story right Um, I, I wonder if that will change in the next couple of years or if that will continue to be a barrier for you
1: yeah I, I really hope so. I really hope. So like I there's this book called George and it's about um, he looks like a boy, but he he is a girl or she is a girl and she wants to play um Charlotte in Charlotte's web play. you know, but they won't let her because they are seeing her as a boy. you know like so I have those books and I want to give them to all readers and I'm glad that I have them for my transgendered students, but I want that story to be for everyone. And I right. feel like I can't put those books up on display right, because of like the backlash of sharing everybody's story. So it's, it's a tough day I feel like I have so much power as a librarian of like a lot of times when people think of censorship as like, um, you know, like burning books and that mm-hmm. one, can, but it's really about like, what am I displaying to kids? What am I even purchasing to make available for them? And so I hate that sometimes I'm even thinking about those outside influences when I'm thinking about putting a book on display. Just-
0: uh, I have so much to my brain right now. <laughs> I wonder if in the fall, like I wonder this about myself, and now I'm wondering about you. If you're going to, if like, to me, I feel like we're entering a new phase. We're like, you got, I want you to like put the book out and be like, <laughs> It's over. It's over. I'm done. <laughs> We're moving forward now. Yeah. But I know it's not going to be that easy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I want it to be. And I, yeah, I, I want it to be. Yeah. And there's so many great books out there for everyone. I mean, there's a picture book. I don't know if you've seen it called It's the Red Crayon.
0: No, I'm going about that. it.
1: But it's a, about a crayon, and I can't remember which way it is. The crayon's either red and wants to be blue or the other way around, you know? But, like, <laughs> there are books like that that I just want to, you know, put up and just be ready for all students, even kids who are reading picture books. Because a lot of okay. messages for the parents, too. But
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, wait, go back to George. What reading level is that for? Like, what grade would read that?
1: That could be a third grade one that one's pretty, um, I would say third. I like the idea, you know, some with a lot of times with elementary kids too, it's tricky because they can read George and understand what it means to them. Another student can read it and dive so much deeper. I had a book called The Family Fletcher, which had two dad's in it and some kids didn't even realize like the one dad was named dad and the other one was like papa they didn't even realize it was two different people so you know like yeah. the books. um so you know like third grade reading level but i don't know you know there's no like level for what someone understands
0: Those yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> so it's tricky to say i would say a third grade level could read George Um, and then I'd have to look at the individual student to say who might understand you know the different aspects of George.
0: Every time I think about librarians I think about how like you're all these sweet nice people but really you guys are like the leaders of social change and I can picture like some mom calling you being like this damn librarian put this book in my hand, and I don't want, now I'm answering all these questions I don't want to answer, and, but, so you play this really interesting role in the, in the hey. position of your community, and with your families.
1: Oh, yeah, look, oh, this one still hurts my heart, but I have this book called The Baby Tree, it's a beautiful picture book by Sophie Blackall, she's got, like, so many Caldecott awards, um, and it just goes through the mix- misconceptions students have about where babies come from, and at the back of the book there's like this page for if your kids have these questions here are developmentally appropriate ways that you can answer them. And I had to cut that page out of the back of the book and what? it kills me to this day. It's uh I still think about it. They said penis. <laughs>
0: We're getting into so many issues right now. Like every time you bring up a new example, I'm like, Oh my God. Like you're going to have, you're going to have a book about consent at some point. I'm sure you have a book about consent.
1: Yeah. And why not? Like I'm already talking about it. So like, you know, Uh, yeah.
0: But I can see, yeah, that's, that's heavy. Cutting a page out of a book is not heavy is I'm sure it broke your little librarian heart. I it breaks definitely. my heart, but.
1: It really did. And all I was trying to think was at least the book still gets to be here, you know? Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. You are really rocking the boat in a way that I didn't imagine that elementary the school librarians <laughs> rock the boat, but. I feel like Martha would often, you know, do the same thing more like, let's push it. Let's put the books out there. Like, let's not ignore this. That's our job as a librarian, but also, Ooh, you and your little Burton. I wonder what's going to happen in the fall.
1: I know. Well, I like, are we even going to get to check out books? I don't. Know. Oh yeah.
0: You're right. Yeah. 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 That's because another I, issue too.
1: Oh gosh. And that's hard. That's really hard to think about too, but yes. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. I'm very sad. I love Pat and Gil. Um, I only left to get like a full-time position, but I am excited to kind of jump, dive into the Burton <laughs> pond with everything.
0: <laughs> and I think I want to end with this, which is like, you are asking the question of a community. What do you want your kids to know about? Right? Like, and that's yeah. a good, and you know what? Parents have the right to parent, right? But at the same time, like in the community, what do you want this community to care about and to know about. Not like these kids should be able to read about this topic, like that's important. But the bigger question is, what what are we willing to prioritize as a community? And if we say that we're inclusive and we include everybody, like Mm -hmm. people people need to be ready to back that up by, by um, you know supporting what goes in their libraries. At the same time, though, like I can see how those conversations get tricky and difficult, and that's okay too to have difficult conversations.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't always have to be controversial issues. Like I don't like sports chapter books, but I buy them for those readers. You know, like it's not always these tough debated issues, but I have to be there for all readers and all people of the community with books for everyone and so it's it's
0: important it's important I just feel like like you said there is so much power that we have as educators to help our help support all of our students and help our students be seen and heard and uh, we just want to be able to do that so I think what you're doing is awesome Rachel Smith
1: thank
0: you well thank you so much for being on my podcast I, I learned a lot in this conversation and I swear like every time I talk to an elementary school person it like blows my mind all the things that you guys think about and do and I think it's a real testament to our district oh
1: thanks we appreciate
0: it <laughs> okay best of luck in your new job in the fall Thank
1: you and best of luck to you hopefully we'll be both back in our buildings teaching away.
0: I would love that I would love that all right thanks so much Rachel okay
1: bye
0: bye.